Hello and welcome to episode 107 of the NFL Scotland podcast. We're continuing our season previews, sticking in the north, but this week it's the NFC. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. Will Alan spend most of the season in a huff? Will Kirk Cousins be good or will he be duff? Will Alliance make progress enough? Will Foles find taking Trubisky's job to be tough? And finally, who writes this stuff? We'll be giving you some more details about our week one live event as we've just announced our party pack in association with Stuart Brewing and the Bonnie Sauce Company. To do all that, we're delighted to be joined once again by our very own resident Packers fan, Charles Patterson. And we're also pleased to welcome Edinburgh Wolves player and Lions fan, George Fell. Welcome, gentlemen. Good to have you along. Yeah, nice to see you again. Good to see you, Charles. Thank you for joining us, George, as well. Uh, now, Paul, we normally ask our new guests five questions. We've already introduced George. Uh, he plays for the Wolves. Um, he's obviously a Lions fan, so we've covered a couple of those. But, George, just kick off with a little bit of particulars. What position do you play for the Wolves? Um, so, for the Wolves, I played uh, wide receiver for the past five years. And I, I made, just before lockdown, the end-of-career crazy switch to maybe go and play linebacker. Um, so... I've I've thought maybe maybe I'm not fast enough to pay wide receiver anymore. Um, maybe I can't make the cut. I thought maybe linebacker. I'd be great at that. Yeah, linebacker hurts. Um, it seems to be the craziest position on the on on the pitch. Uh, you make more cuts. You have to run faster. It's harder on the lungs. Um, so lockdown was a great welcome to not playing football this year because <laughs> of the shock of not having to do it. But. I think I think for me it was more of a change because I wanted to get I want to get into the coaching more. I coach Harriet Watt at the moment, so um, for the wide receiver position, I kind of want to understand um, defensive side of the ball a bit more. So being able to do it from a player's position sort of excited me a wee bit. So um, I like a challenge as well. So that's always good. Absolutely. Um, what got you into the NFL first of all? Um, I think like a lot of UK fans, Madden. I played Madden at like age 12, 13, um, originally on Sega Mega Drive and then sort of moved towards the PlayStation. And then unfortunately, that's where my choice of the Detroit Lions came from um, with a really, really tenuous link to, I, I was a, I grew up in a rural town and big into golf. I was a fan of Podrick Harrington at the time and Tenuous link, Joey Harrington at the time was the quarterback of the Detroit Lions. And then that was pretty much it. Picked Joey Harrington, played Detroit Lions on Madden, and then away from there. Brilliant. Um, I, I'm just pleased. I, I didn't think Detroit Lions fans existed, so it's nice to meet one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we me, me and the guys get together all the time, all ten of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? Let's start with the Lions then. Let's start off there. Um, obviously, last season was there was a few ups, but there seemed to be an awful lot of downs again. Matt Patricia's come in. Um, obviously, Matt Stafford injured. The key question this year is, can the Lions improve? prove under Matt Stafford and if so they need to do what uh, that's a very very difficult question I, my first my initial reaction gut reaction say no we can't improve I, it, it's difficult because Matt Stafford has got the stats he's a great quarterback I think but then injured his back was out the last five games of the season and it seems to be a recurring trend it keeps happening he needs to stay fit I guess is, is is one thing he needs to be able to continue that on. He's got some weapons. Um, me and Charles were talking about it. Um, Galladay, Marvin Jones, they're good weapons. 
They've added to it with two more running backs, but again, the running back position for us has always been a, a painful, painful thing. Um, Taylor Decker, our offensive tackle, he's probably happy after the draft because he's not having to worry because we didn't find anybody else at that position. So he's probably going to get paid. Um, we took some interior linemen. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a difficult one. I, I was confident last year because I thought maybe we've done a, a bit of good business. Um, we maybe move forward uh, and then watch a the couple of preseason games and we couldn't stop an outside run. So, and then that carried on throughout the season. Every time a team bounced outside, you know, we drew with the Cardinals in the first game of the season. It's just, I guess it's just the the, annoy, the the pain of being a Lions fan. Everybody talks about the Browns being this team that are the one that everybody laughs at, you know. And we seem to get, just because they exist, we seem not to get talked about very much, which I think is a great thing. George, um, would you, with the number three pick, have liked to see the team take a quarterback? Yes, 100%. I, I, think, I think you need to roll the dice, make it, make a decision. I mean, we've come on to talk about the Packers' decision and what they did in the draft, but we, we, dumped, we dumped Darius Slay, or we, we got rid of Darius Slay before we had to pay him a lot of money, and then we picked up Jeff Okuda. So essentially, we're, we're one out, one in, yeah? We've replaced the same position. We're really good at signing, taking our draft picks, and getting rid of them before we have to pay them. I think we're running it so that we, we never have a big a, a big salary bill. Um, Sue, we had him for a period. Great player for us. Got rid of him. Uh, Eric Ebron was one of our draft picks. Again, we had him for a bit. Didn't do much. Got rid of him. And we never seemed to stick on. You know, we, we stuck on Stafford. Put a lot of trust in Stafford. Um, but... I would, I would have loved to have seen a, a, a new, fresh quarterback and maybe Tua with the hope, you know. He's been a massive... He's got his injury issues, you know. He's he snapped every joint in his leg <laughs> top to bottom and he's, he's held together with a load of pins, but he's exciting, right? And I think that's maybe what, what you want. It would have made a totally. statement for me. And yeah. I mean, we talk about the league being a quarterback-driven league. Matt Stafford is a good quarterback, but I don't think he's going to win a Super Bowl. He's... No. He, you're getting to the point whereby he is the average middle of the road. You can rely on him to get you so far, and that's it. But he's let him down by his defense, and he mm-hmm. and he's been let down by the defense for years. And yeah, Fisher's got to be on the hot seat this year, surely, isn't he? Well, yeah. I mean, but this is this is the thing. Is I read an article um, in preparation, and we're turning ourselves into the expatriates. There's the signing of loads and loads of Patriots players coming in and or somebody in the coaches have it's, it's because it's people that Patricia knows but you know Danny Shelton Jamie Collins um, we've picked up Harmon as well you know these are all proven players for the Patriots but then there's a reason the Patriots are letting them go right like it's it's always that thing of picking up somebody's scraps and trying to recreate something trying to be the Leicester City of the of the NFL world I so, feel really sorry for you, George. <laughs> it sounds depressing, doesn't it? But you know, it's uh, it's fun. It's fun. It's always it's always the unknown, right? You could pick. You could be a glory hunter, but why not? Why why pick a team that you could hopefully go on a, a run that you win six games in ten years? You know, Cameron. I've always said um, before on this uh, podcast that of the three teams in the north, I dislike the Lions the least because I feel sorry for them, <laughs> and I still feel sorry for them. Because 
the, um, George has come in and he's just got this wonderfully realistic attitude about how the season's going to go. And I said last year, I thought that the Lions were a borderline playoff team and that was blown completely out of the water. Yeah. And so, yeah, don't worry. Well, I, I, I love you more than I love the Bears and the Vikings. <laughs> Only what we're really good at, what we're really good at, I think, is is going on a run at the wrong time. So just, just when you push for that, well, screw it, we'll just take the lowest draft pick we can get. You know, maybe we'll, we'll just leave ourselves and we'll go and win six games. I've seen that happen so many times. Like, that has been the repetition. Don't make the playoffs, but just push yourself out of contention from a number one pick. Perfect. <laughs> so I I think there's more to be optimistic about. I definitely don't think the Lions are going 3-12-1 like they did last year. I think that defensively, you know, you talk about a lot of new pieces coming in, and that's definitely the case. I think the one challenge on defense, given as well the situation with COVID, and we don't know how much time the players are going to get to spend together before the season starts, bad thing is the fact that there's so many new players in that defensive setup. The good thing is, by the fact you've brought most of them in from New England, is they've played together before. So, do you know what? At least yeah. those guys understand each other, and they understand their head coach as well. You know, Jeff Akuda, there was a lot of people very excited about this guy as well. So I'm really interested to see exactly what he's all about. Is he going to be the talent that everyone's thinking? DeAndre Swift adds something different at running back. Injuries last year really did the Lions, you know? You look at the injury to Stafford. Kerryon Johnson was injured. Uh, the wide receivers seemed pretty much banged up. I think on paper, it's a really exciting team. You know, Matt Stafford has an arm and he's very capable. Kenny Galladay is, for me, one of the most exciting young wide receivers. I think he's the guy we'll be talking about in four or five years like we talk about Julio Jones. I think he'll be the guy who consistently is pulling in touchdowns. Uh, he's the guy who's continually making big plays. And unfortunately, he's just doing that right now in a not very good team. If... Stafford can stay fit and that they can protect him and give him the time to throw the ball. I think there's real opportunity for growth here. And actually, and I'm going to contradict myself when I come to my predictions later on, but potentially the Lions have, I think, one of the better chances of being one of those teams that flips from being the worst to I'm not going to go and say that they're going to be first, but I definitely think they've got potential to move up that division if everybody can stay fit and if all those pieces on defense can click together really quickly. You know, you look at some of the names. Danny Shelton is a good player. Jamie Collins was really good at linebacker. Trey Flowers, all coming in from New England. And yeah, Harmon as well. Um, Desmond Trufant coming in from Atlanta is a good player. Uh, Christian Jones from Chicago, uh, maybe not as exciting a player. But, you know, there's a lot of guys coming in there. Um, and, and, and it gives something fresh it gives a new line in the sand for the lions to grow this for me more than any other is where matt patricia finds out whether or not he is going to be a long-term head coach for the detroit lions if they make no progress this year he is absolutely going to end up on the hot seat because this is now pretty much his team and i think that they've got the potential to do it i think he'll become, he'll become the doormat there you go Five games into the season, I'm picking up the phone to you, Cameron, and you can give me your optimistic booster because uh, you, 
you're clearly more positive about it than I am. Well, so, do you know what? I'm going to add in on that because you've brought up a really good point. <laughs> Wait till after five games. Let's give it eight because yeah. the first four are horrific. At yeah, home to terrible, the Bears, yeah. at the Packers, mm. at the Cardinals, at home to the Saints, and then a bye week. So by the time mm. you get to your bye week, you're like, Jesus Christ, we're already owned four. <laughs> after that, though, it's slightly better. At Jacksonville, at the Falcons, um, Colts at home, at the Vikings, home to Washington, which with the absolute carnage that's coming out of there is three yeah. points. Um Panthers at the Panthers as well. We don't know whether they're going to be under Terry Bridgewater. Um, at home to the Texans again. There's no DeAndre Hopkins there now. Uh, you know, there's there's some winnable games in there. It is a tough schedule when you look through it, but I th- I think you'll win more than three games this year. Uh, what I think about you'll... for Trevor Lawrence? Well, that would be yeah. that would be that would be what I would suggest if it's no zero and four going into the bye week. Tank for Trevor. Yeah, yeah, but we we will we'll be in that position, and then we'll win four, and then we won't be in that position for Trevor. That's what'll happen. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the Bengals the Bengals picked up um, Joe there, Joe Burrow, and, and you think can as much as their problems they have are, are the Bengals in a better position by adding a quarterback? Probably, probably not, right? But I, I think I think from what you're saying, Cameron, you're you're right. There are. There are some skills in there that could that could get us a, a good win, and I think I think a healthy, you know, threat of a quarterback is is definitely needed, you know, for for, for the full season to, to get the full hog. Because if we go home five those first first bit hit our bye week, and then you say that the, the schedule's not too bad after that, but it's still tough, right? Yeah, it's not it's not easy being a Lions fan. No, it's definitely not easy being a Lions fan. And actually, we'll move on from the Lions because some would say it's not easy being a Packers fan at the moment. But, Charles, the opening question for you is, the Green Bay Packers are going to prove that they were right by adding zero new weapons for Aaron Rodgers because... Don't need new weapons. Got A.J. Dillon as a second-round running back. Um, Right, I think... Can we deal with the Jordan Love question first? let's. I think what we have to do is remember one very important thing. Jordan Love is not going to see one minute of action this season unless Aaron Rodgers gets injured. He has been picked up with a view to the future. And this is what Green Bay have done continuously over the years. Obviously, the the reference to the Favre-Rodgers pickup 15, 16 years ago is is very fair, but... Jordan Love is not ready for the NFL. And I think every draft expert before the draft suggested that. And I think the biggest surprise about the fact that they picked him was the fact that they traded up for him. There was a suggestion that the Colts were looking at him and they wanted to jump in ahead of the Colts. Um, I think Jordan Love is irrelevant, really, for the coming season because Aaron Rodgers is still playing close to his peak. Now, there was a lot of hoo-ha about the fact that they didn't pick up a wide receiver in that position. Do you know what? It happens. They've got one of the best wide receivers in the game, one of the top five receivers in the game in Devontae Adams. They've now got a third running back. And I go back to the NFC Championship game when I sat next to you, Cameron, and watched Green Bay get pulverized by a three-headed monster. Um, And I think, ultimately, I I have thought a lot about this since the draft. Green Bay are basically copying what Kyle Shanahan has built in San Francisco. 
Kyle Shanahan took San Francisco to the Super Bowl on the back of three running backs and a bang average quarterback. And let's be honest, Jimmy Garoppolo and Aaron Rodgers, when you put the two of them together, Aaron Rodgers beats him 10 times out of 10. There's no doubt about it. The Niners have Aaron Rodgers and they win the Super Bowl. Simple answer. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So where were Green Bay found wanting? They were found wanting in their defense up the middle and they were found wanting in terms of the fact that they just they weren't able to keep pace with that and they weren't able to control the ball. And everybody in the league now is looking to find a way to beat Kansas City. And the way to beat Kansas City is probably to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hand. And the only team that came close to doing that was Tennessee and San Francisco. San Francisco beat them up for three quarters. Tennessee beat them up for two quarters in the championship game and beat them in the regular season. And if Green Bay are one step away from a title... How do you do it? You do it by loading up with running backs. And now they have three running backs. One that's a second round pick, one that's Aaron Jones who's a potential superstar. And then you've got Jamal Jamal Williams, who's a good guy too. So and they've now got three running backs. They haven't they haven't signed a wide receiver. It is what it is. Um I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kind of dwell on it too much, but ultimately I think that this year two of the Matt LaFleur project is gonna see a different Green Bay on offense. They've got a solid def- defense that was that played pretty well down the stretch. The biggest question mark for me is can they hold up against the run against a San Francisco type? But if you were to put the teams in, plug them in tomorrow, I would say that Green Bay are in a better position than San Francisco because San Francisco will let Breeder go. And they've got a Mostert who's sitting there grumping about his contract. And they've got a Tevin Coleman who we don't know is fit or not. And we've got a Jerry McKinnon who doesn't know he's fit or not. And Green Bay, I think, are basically treading water, but they're also building for the future. So the Jordan Love stuff, to me, is a bit overblown, frankly, because Rodgers is going to be the quarterback there for the next two years. We haven't really heard anything from Rodgers, you know, and he's not shy to voice his opinion. So, you know, there was a lot of chat at the time about how annoyed you'd be, how we anticipated a half, we alluded to it in the title uh, read-through. Um, do you think Aaron is annoyed by this? Or do you think that actually he's himself grown a little bit? He's got the new head coach he wanted and actually he can just get on with what he needs to do. I think he'd be more annoyed by his Madden rating, to be honest. <laughs> it's terrible. It was 89 or something. Yeah, yeah. When when they're giving Lamar Jackson 94 and they're giving Rodgers 89 and Brady was 90. Anyway, if that would, that would, that would annoy me if I was, was Rodgers. I mean, I have always said that he is the only quarterback in the league that can make certain throws until Mahomes came along. And if you want someone to make that throw when the game's on the line, when the championship's on the line, I would back Rodgers to do it. But he missed a few last year. And he's, listen, he's not the player he was five years ago. I don't think there's any question about that. Has he matured uh, as an individual? I mean, it's his team. It's still his team. But it was a very, it was a very, strong statement by um, the general manager and by Lafleur. This is now Lafleur's team and it's going to develop to become Lafleur's team. And they went 13-3 and last season. The question is, did they go 13-3 and in spite of Rodgers or because of him? And I think it was a mixture of both. There were games that he played some magic stuff. He, he produced some fantastic stuff. And then there were games where they weren't great, but they still won. I mean, they won out of, there were nine games that they won, uh, or eight games out of nine that they won in a one-score game. They were eight and one in one-score games last season. Now, 
you take three of them away and suddenly you're 10 and six and it's an average season. So there was a lot of fine margins for error that they, that, that fell their way. And I think, I don't think he is the quarterback that he was, but he's not going to chuck it, pick sixes and he's not going to mismanage a game. I'd still want him as my quarterback. The thing is, can you build around him and give him more weapons? Does he need more weapons? I don't think he does really from the point. I mean, it would be nice to have a rookie receiver and someone pretty exciting and flashy, like a CD lamb or a, a Jerry Judy, but that's a rookie. There's no, there's no knowing what he's going to do. And in this season, more than any other continuity is absolutely key. We don't even know if it's going to be a season or not. And so the fact that he's going to have all the same pieces coming back one extra year of, of LaFleur's offense, which is going to be more run based. There's no doubt about that. It's going to be a Shanahan copy. I think they're going to be, there's going to be all sorts of strange running plays. There's going to be, there could be three running backs on the field at one time at some point, which is a Rogers nightmare, frankly, it's not what he wants, but I think he's going to have to live with it. And I think actually that could benefit the team going forward because it's a tough schedule they've got as well. So just looking at the schedule, you obviously start at the Vikings, then host the Lions, you're away to New Orleans, and then you host the Falcons. Um, sorry, George, but we'll give the a victory against the Lions at home. Just purely that Lambeau, yeah. even without the atmosphere, Lambeau Field is unique in, in everything about it. Um, that's a tough place to go. So Lions go in there and lose, Falcons go in there and lose you've got a very good chance to win in Minnesota, although it's a tough game. At the Saints is a tough one. And that's really probably the game because you look at the standard bearers from the NFC. You know, the AFC, I think it's really fairly clear cut. It's the Chiefs, it's the Ravens, and potentially the Patriots. Well, asterisks next to that, depending on which cam comes out. But from the NFC side, there's a few teams that could be in the mix. The Saints is definitely one of them. They they seem to have upgraded this year. Manuel Sanders probably been the biggest thing. Now Rogers has got uh, Rogers Breeze has got more than one weapon that he can throw to. Um, is that game in Week Three the one that's going to tell you how good your chances are of actually doing something this season, or does it not matter? No, I don't think it matters. The Saints game. Um, I I think uh, Paul and I could argue about Breeze, but I think. Uh, the Saints game is not important. I think the, the San Francisco game, when they go to when they go west, is going to be more important later on. I think that's in October, November. Um, they have to travel there again. Thursday night football. The games against Minnesota. The games against Minnesota will decide the division, in my view. And if they, I mean, the the, the, the win against Minnesota early in the season was so important. I think it was week two they won last season because it meant that they had that. That, that that extra leg up on them. And um, don't forget, you, you're dropping the lines there and saying that they're never going to have a chance of winning a Lambo. The Lions should have beaten Green Bay. Yeah, totally. That's what I was just thinking when you so, when we were saying it, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, so it's it's no given at all. Divisional games are never a given. Um, the, the Minnesota games will decide the division and whoever wins the division is not going to get a wild card because I think um, it's not, it's not going to get a, a bye because there's only one bye uh, obviously now with the extra wild card team, Green Bay I think will make the playoffs. The question is, is will they get a home playoff game? Mm-hmm. And it's it's the game against San Francisco that will be the acid test of where this team is at. And the Saints, I don't think the Saints is Saints play a completely different style of football, a totally different style of football. And 
I think the Saints are vulnerable in the postseason, as we proved, we've seen before, and has been proved. And I think that they're soft. The Saints, ultimately, I think that they're a scoring machine, but I think that they're soft. But when it comes to, are you going to get into the championship game? Are you going to get into the Super Bowl? Ultimately, can you beat San Francisco? They are the benchmark. It's nice That's saying it. that. I quite like hearing it. I'm not necessarily yeah, yeah. sure they are can again, I, but I need, I need to defend here. I need to defend here. There's a couple. <laughs> the Saints of aren't the benchmark. <laughs> Now, 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 let's not go there at the moment because I'm going to rant enough. Two things strike me from what you say, Charles, and I'm going to use uh, Detroit's uh, big motor industry, Ford, as an example. I think running backs have become the Ford Escort of the NFL. There's just so many of them, and they just mm-hmm. keep getting used and used and used. There's nothing particularly – you don't have to be particularly brilliant to be the third string. I think you're just giving an option. And what wonderful shade – from Charles there, you know, talking about if three wins had gone the other way, it would only have been a 10-6 and six season. That, that, that's classy from the Packers there. It, but, and, and the reason I say that, and I, and I mean this with love to Charles, it shows the expectation that is in Green Bay. You know, people expect Green Bay always to be there. And, and the Aaron Rodgers thing fascinates me because you can look at the Jordan Love thing in so many ways. The, the way I look at it is from the outside is, what a missed opportunity to add a bigger piece. And I wonder if that will come back to haunt them. Not the fact that Jordan Love is there, he might be a quarterback for the future, but there was nothing there that thought, tell you what, that's a great pickup for a year or two. When you're in position to be a challenger, I think it's a real waste of a first-round pick. It's yeah, well, it, you can certainly look at it like that, but they've obviously thought that Love has got something and they want to invest in him. Um, and I'm not... I'm not going to knock that decision-making, but I think it's very easy to look at the short-term view rather than the long-term view. And historically, Green Bay have never done that. They've never done that. And um, the way that they, they, they eased Rogers, Rogers sat for three years behind Brett Favre. And then Brett Favre changed his mind and actually came back and Brett Favre was still brilliant a couple of seasons later with, with the Vikings. Um the Patriots historically have drafted quarterbacks and then moved them on. Jacoby Brissett, Garoppolo. So this is not something that's not been done before. I think the biggest surprise was the fact they traded up for him. Yeah. And that caused a stushy in Wisconsin. There's no I think there's, the other thing as well, I think from, from a, a fan outside, you know, outside looking into the, into the Packers. And, and I think the Brady thing probably helps the Green Bay's choice because Life after Brady is what we're going to see with the Patriots. Rodgers is still there in Green Bay. And yeah, he's, he's phenomenal. He's a, he's a great quarterback and he's somebody that can change a game. You know, if you're, if you're taking an influence of, of talking about that game at, at Lambeau, that's just Rodgers. It's, it is Rodgers' team. I know you're saying that he's, 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 you know, head coach is going to take over and it's LaFleur's team in the future and all these different things. It's still Rodgers' team. Your quarterback is going out there and doing everything. Jordan Love could for two years and then get binned you, you really don't know and they pick somebody else you know it, it, it's difficult to say and there's always a thing with drafting in the NFL you look at NFL quarterbacks that are drafted over the years some terrible choices jump to you know number one and they do nothing and then you take Tom Brady as an example he gets 199th overall and takes a team to six Super Bowls and you're like well wins I mean six Super Bowl wins it's like nobody knows it's a guess it's a guessing game is drafting a player because you don't know when he plays with Plays with the big boys, how good he's going to be. And and I guess it's the growth of, if Jordan Love is the man to replace Aaron Rodgers, that's all going to come 
off the back of whether Aaron Rodgers can be bothered to teach him how to play football and whether, you know, I think there's a, a really famous thing about, is it, it was either Rodgers or Favre didn't know what a 4-3 defense was. And, and you know, it was, it's this amazing thing. That this, this, it's, just, it's just a brain. They just know when somebody's going to be open. And, and you can't account for that in, in, in players. And Rodgers is just one of those. He's a freak. It's, it's, it, there's no two ways about it. If you're Jordan Love, you've won a watch. Yeah. You get to sit and watch one, one of the top five greatest quarterbacks of all time do his, do his work still at the peak of his powers. Um, or thereabouts. The, the only question is, I mean, I, I don't think the, the question is, should they have added another piece to help him? Well, they were scoring 25, 30 points a game anyway. So I don't think it's to add a wide receiver would have been, would it have suddenly made Green Bay unbeatable? No, it wouldn't have done. What it has, what we have seen in the last couple of years is that the insurance policy of having another quarterback is extremely valuable. Nick Foles, I think, is the, you know, the keystone in all of that. And now they have a guy who they obviously believe in, who if something did happen, maybe he could come in. I don't think he'd be ready to come in this year, but we've seen it happen um, before. And I, I think it, it, too much was made of it. Too much was made of the love selection. If they hadn't traded up for him and, they, and he'd fallen to number 30 or whatever, whatever the pick number was, I don't think people have made a, would have made a big deal out of it. There was a the fact they traded up four or five places and there was this expectation they were going to pick up a receiver, and they didn't. And then, obviously, Brandon Ayuk went to San Francisco. Was he going to be the second coming of Emmanuel Sanders? He's probably not going to be the second coming in the in this current season. Wide receivers, unless you're Randy Moss, take time to settle in their rookie season. Historically, we've seen it all the time. The Patriots took and killed Harry last year, and he was a disaster. So... Do you know, I, I'm, I feel pretty comfortable with it now, now that I've had about three months to reflect on it. <laughs> yeah, I think, do you know, and we'll wrap it up for this and move on to the next teams, but I think that when you look back at that draft, you look at the position that Jordan Love went, I think Jordan Love going where he went is fine. As lo- you know, if you think he's a quarterback of the future, I don't think there's anything wrong with that pick. I think it's the sum of the parts that makes you go, why did we do that and then not do this? You look at all the wide receivers that went before that pick for Love, and all the big names were off the board. Jerry Judy was gone, CeeDee Lamb was gone, uh, Jalen Rieger was probably someone that they didn't think was going to go so high. Justin Jefferson was tipped to go in the second round. Brandon Ayuk wasn't tipped to be a first-rounder either. Suddenly those guys were gone. You look at the wide receivers afterwards, and the only one, now granted I don't watch a huge amount of college football, but from the hype train, the only one that really was a contender in there was T. Higgins, who's a big wide receiver, you know, future number one, but you've still got Devontae Adams. And if you are going with that running back approach, like you say, with San Francisco, then actually it's a thing that you don't necessarily need. The draft was much more focused on fixing um, and adding options at the offensive line. It was about adding pieces on defense, which is definitely more of an issue because you're right, they were scoring points, but they were conceding them as well. That They were 13-3 and three last year. Let's not remember, forget that. Other than, you know absolutely getting cut open by the 49ers on that. I mean, that was a freak game. That just was everything worked, well, and it, the Packers just couldn't twice. stop it. The problem is it happened twice. It happened in the regular season, and then it happened in the in the championship game, and they hadn't learned from it. And, and that's, so... That's they, a rookie... And they brought in Kirksey, at linebacker. Is that going to make a difference? Well, I think he's a better player if he's fit. So the question is, can they... Pl- is Mike Pettin going to change the defensive structure to plug that? That will be very interesting when those when that game eventually comes around. 
Zadaria Smith is coming as well from Baltimore, I think. So, you know, there's a couple linebacker changes there, which is interesting, and they're trying to address it. So, Preston Smith came in as linebacker as well, I think. So, um, yeah, well, Smith, yeah. Smith brothers were brilliant last season, yeah, and they produced, um, what I think almost 30 sacks between them. Now, that was from the from the, from the pass rushing point of view, I don't think there's a problem there because that was a real problem for Green Bay for a couple of years. Because Clay Matthews was on the slide, that they didn't have a pass rusher. Now the problem lies in can they stop the run, and the 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 secondary is top notch. If they can stop the run, then they've got as good a defense in the league as you can as you can find. And then it comes down to it, it, listen. It's all decided in December and January, and that's where the three the three running backs. I'm I'm optimistic about it. Okay. We'll move on, though, uh, and we'll turn to the Vikings. And, Paul, you're going to lead this one. The Vikings can win the NFC North this year if? If they keep the same officials from the Superdome. How about that? I honestly Too, too easy, Cameron. Too easy. Come on. Come on. <laughs> now, let's be honest. They've got a good quarterback and they've got a good team. They deserve to be in the game in New Orleans. There was no doubt about that. They shouldn't have won the game in New Orleans. And I think Saints-49ers would have been a better game because I think 49ers beat up on them. But I thought it was key that they made the playoffs. I thought there was a great playoff win for them. You know, you, you can call the officiating what you will. They still went in and won it in overtime and credit to them for that. But this year's, I think, a different tale. They've got now the salary cap hurt of having Kirk Cousins as their quarterback. It was always going to be year three. It was going to be problematic. They've had to let players go. They had 15 draft picks. Now, that's the record since the draft went to seven rounds back in 1994. Now, seven of those are round four or higher. And as the guys will know, the picks that you make round four and above, you do expect to have a really good chance to make your team. Now, the problem that we may have is the fact that you're not going to get the real, you know, the training camp, the practice and going in there. And I think they're going to be really, really vulnerable for the first few weeks because I'm not sure they're going to come together as a unit. You're going to be relying on Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, Dalvin Cook. I mean, I think some of the pickups they made, you know, Justin Jefferson, we saw play for LSU's terrific player, good corner and Jeff Gladney, you know, that's their two first round picks. I think they'll both, you know, make an impact, but I'm just worried for them that they're going to be too far apart in trying to get everybody together. A lot of new pieces to fit together, Cameron, and I think that's where the problem's going to come. Yeah, and of course, Paul, Stefan Diggs is away. You know, gone to Buffalo, in comes Justin Jefferson, like you said. And to Charles' point earlier, that is a wide receiver rookie that you're suddenly expecting an awful lot of year one. That's a problem. You've also got the situation with Dalvin Cook's coming into a contract year. They were using Alexander Madison more and more. And actually, if Dalvin Cook decides to sit out, especially given the COVID situation and the, the fact that the players are unhappy about some of the, the protection that's been put in place, if he decides to just park his bum for a year, see out his contract and go and go and play somewhere else, then actually they have potentially lost two of their most influential pieces on offense from last season. That suddenly makes it a much more difficult challenge to try and build on last year, where obviously 10-6 and six was a good season, made it into the postseason, got that controversial win in New Orleans. Personally, I thought Rudolph just raised his hands. He didn't push him, so not a foul. Um, I'm sure the referees looked back at it as well and said it was uh, they, they didn't see anything wrong in that one. So we got to go with them. You know, if the referees have taken the time to look back, Paul, you got to respect the rest decisions. No, no, it was so bad, VAR in England would have given it. That's how bad <laughs> that was. I think what you're looking at is, you know what, 
Kirk Cousins was very up and down last year. And I think for the Vikings to succeed, it's got to be all up for Kirk Cousins, given the fact there's a lot of rookies coming in. There's a lot of change. I think, you know, Charles was very interesting. You know, George, as well, you talk about the quarterbacks and how the teams rise and fall with the quarterbacks. I think for the Lions to be successful, Matthew Stafford's got to be outstanding. For Green Bay to be successful, I think, you know, Rodgers doesn't necessarily have to be brilliant, perhaps really good in the big games, but an average Rodgers will get you through. I think anything other than a really, really good Kirk Cousins, then the Vikings will fall this season. Cousins approved, I think, in the game against the Packers in, I think, week 16 or week 17, that he is not elite level. He is, again, he's serviceable, but when it was on the line, for Minnesota to win the number one seat, to, to, to win the division and to, to potentially get a number two seat, because that was still an outside possibility. They couldn't muster an offense. And do you put that on the coach or do you put that on the quarterback to be able to make a flashy play and to do something extraordinary? I think you have to put it on your star player. And he is a star player. They're paying him star money and he couldn't do it. I mean, now he's lost Stefan Diggs. Diggs was their best receiver. Feelings manageable. But without Diggs, I don't think Thielen's the same type of player. And Cook is an issue. The Cook situation is an issue. So Cousins, they are, as you said, Cameron, they're now paying for Cousins this season. And it's going to affect them. But I think that they've got a coach in Mike Zimmer who is a, a very good coach and a solid coach who knows what he needs and how to build a defence, especially a secondary. But... They're going to they're going to struggle to replicate what they've produced in the last two or three years. I think their super win their Super Bowl window is now closing. I think Cousins is too emotional. I think that's what his issue is. You know his reactions. You know the the, the famous reaction of of Do you like that? Do you like what you you know that 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 big thing about him? I think he's he, that's just the way he is. And the, the whole the whole thing last season they kind of battled with Diggs and Thielen, like who was the best, and Cousins didn't come out and say Diggs was any good and. You know, Thielen then was not feeling well, and you know it was it was kind of like a it was just infighting. So now, yeah, you're right. You get rid of Diggs. You still got Thielen, great receiver, but you know, I don't know. You, I don't think Cousins is not a Rogers. Cousins is more a Stafford than he is a Rogers. But the difference between Cousins and Stafford is that Stafford says nothing, and Cousins says too much. You know, that's that's where where I see them. Um, but you know, they're they're a pretty strong team around the field if, if Dalvin Cook we see, it seems to be a common trend running backs at the moment are holding out and you know a, a trend setting and, and not wanting to sign deals and sit in and you know you saw it with Lev Bell and then he came back and after a lockdown and then as maybe he sits he doesn't sign then after a lockdown where does he as a player after after all you know is he is Dalvin Cook any good you know, because Lev Bell wasn't fantastic at the Jets after sitting for a year. The lockdown is going to be an interesting thing for everybody, you know, sitting and, and having plenty of time to contemplate whether they want to play for a team or whether, what they want to do. I think it's going to affect a lot of abilities. Before we yeah, move I think on... You're, yeah, you're right. I think you're absolutely right. But it's interesting. And, and the way I, I see it, guys, is, you know, if you're scored down, you've got to march the field, you know, to win the game. I trust Brady... Breeze, you know, you trust Rodgers. I think when it comes to Kirk Cousins, if you're a Vikings fan, you hope that he does it. I don't think you trust them to do it. 
before we move on from the Vikings, I look. We've touched on the schedule of everyone else. I think so far of all the teams we've we've looked at, and we've just looked at the two North divisions. But looking at the Minnesota Vikings schedule, I actually think this has got the most what I would call 50-50 games in that there's no game here that particularly I think, oh, that's a clear winner on this one. Um, you know, fine. We've already said that they'll they'll lose uh, Green Bay and what have you. But the, the Packers at home to start the season. Yeah, fine. Do you know what? The Packers favourites, but the Vikings aren't completely ruled out of that. Then they're at the Colts. Same story there. They host the Titans because they're hosting 50-50 maybe. At the Texans without Hopkins. So, you know, they're in that. At Seattle, where actually the Vikings have gone and caused Seattle problems in the past. At home to the Falcons by week. At the Packers, find Lambeau Field. At home to the Lions. At, Chicago, at Soldier Field. At home to the Cowboys. At home to the Panthers. At home to the Jags. So three home games on the trot. Then at the Bucks. At home to the Bears. At the Saints, so probably lose that one, fair enough. Um, and then at the Lions. But there's a lot of 50-50s. Oh, no, sorry. I said that they would lose in New Orleans. I, no, they would clearly win that one um, if it had been in Minnesota. Oh, no, that's where the miracles happen. Um, <laughs> hey. Okay. So, yeah, either way, they're they're beating the Saints. They'll find a way to get it done. Um, but You're lucky that this is audio only, I'm telling you. <laughs> Yeah, the people can see gesticulation on a podcast, thankfully. The thing about 50-50 um, games, though, Cameron, is you've, usually if the 50-50 game is going to go your way, you need to be creating your own luck, and you need to be playing well to create your own luck. And you're relying on a bit of momentum. You're relying on maybe somebody who's got that X factor. And Stefan Diggs had that X factor. And I don't think Kirk Cousins does. And Dalvin Cook, you could argue, has got that X factor. And if he's not playing, then who's going to provide that? And have they got a pass? Have they got the pass rush to cause other teams' problems? Daniel Hunter's a good player. He's a good, solid pass rusher. But I think they need to get Everson Griffin back to, to provide a dual threat. So 50-50 games are all very well and good. But if you don't have the player at the, the moment where the execution is required in order to do that, then the coin is not going to go your way. Yeah, and if we've not even touched on Trey Waynes leaving, Linville Joseph leaving, Xavier Jones leaving, Andrew Santejo leaving, a lot of pieces missing on that um, defence as well. Right, okay. So we've got one team left to look at. That would be the Chicago Bears and Cameron. The Chicago Bears have gone from boom to bust. The reason that they will improve is... Nick Foles, um, the the Bears <laughs> were a massive disappointment last year, um, and I think that you can almost fully dump that at the feet of Mitchell Trubisky. He was a disaster. Uh, he went backwards big time. Um, there was a lack of drive. There was a lack of leadership. There was a lack of ideas. Um, they brought in David Montgomery. You know, really good running back, a lot very exciting. They didn't know how to utilize them. Um, the Bears had obviously invested on their defense. It felt like last year was going to be their year. It felt like the the Bears were setting themselves up to go on and under Trubisky start to be a force in that division once again. And it just didn't happen. It didn't even come close to happening. Um, and in the end, an 8-8 eight and eight season. But, do you know, it wasn't a losing season, but we just expected so much more from them. Um, they didn't concede a lot of points. You know, 298 points. The defence was all right. 
But it was the points for column that was a massive disappointment. 280 points for, 298 against. They scored less than the Lions. 61 points less than the Lions. Um, But they conceded less than, you know, the Vikings 303, Packers 313. So obviously the Bears had a better defense. It just, it was, Mitchell Trubisky was the problem. Um, And I just think they've got this opportunity now to to do things differently uh, under a new leadership of, of Nick Foles. Now, there's questions about Nick Foles. Obviously went to Jacksonville um, and it didn't work out for him. Now, I think it's fair to say that there's a lot of current good quarterbacks could go to Jacksonville and it wouldn't work out for them. I think that Gardner Minshew was able to come in and do something a little bit different. He was dynamic. He was interesting. It just didn't work for him. With Foles, and if Foles can capture his postseason form for any of the postseasons he's been in pretty much, um, he can add something different to this team. Mitch Trubisky's done. He's absolutely done. I, I, I'll be surprised to see him start the season. I'll be flabbergasted if he starts week three. And well, here's I, a question. Can yeah. I just button here? Let's say there's no preseason games. Who starts week one? And I think that that's bearing in mind, bearing in mind, he's a number two pick. They traded up for and the same head coach and same general manager are still there. Who starts week one if there's no preseason games? They're not picking up. Trubisky's starting. Trubisky's starting. See, they're not picking up that contract for Nick Foles. Which would be great, by the and, way. And not playing them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, that's... There are a number of factors that sees Trubisky play. The other problem that you've got with Nick Foles is, I think, injuries. I think that he's... I don't think he's ever completed a full season. Um, he's... He's a very capable quarterback, but he needs to be in the right setup. I think he's got weapons there. I think that, that it's a, a, an exciting young team. Um, you look at the wide receivers, you've got Alan Robinson, who we know is very capable. Um, I think that if you look across all the number one wide receivers, though, in the division, I think that the Bears are four out of four when it comes to that, when it comes to number one wide receivers. I think if you look at wide receiver core, they're at number two behind the Lions. I actually think the Lions have the best wide receiver set in the whole division. I think the Bears are number two there because you look at Andy Millen, what he offered, and he was an exciting player. Riley Ridley, we didn't get to see an awful lot of, but Ted Ginn offers something coming in from New Orleans, and you know what he can do. He's fast, and he can get you know more of a slot receiver than anything else, I think, but offer something else. Cordell Patterson, but you've also got Jimmy Graham there. Jimmy Graham might come in and do something a little bit different. And then at running back, you've got Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery, who are both sort of more Swiss Army knife running backs. What you've not got is your big bowler ball running back, which possibly they'll miss. But I I think that they are set up and they've still got that monster defense. They've still got great players on that side of the ball that are going to be massively disruptive. And that, for me, sets them up to be a really interesting team. Uh, I think that they've got a lot of potential, and I think that they're not going to go from worst to first because they weren't the worst, and they didn't have a losing season. But I definitely think you'll see progress in Chicago this year. And it will be under the guise, under the guide, sorry, of uh, Nick Foles. There's pressure in Chicago. Not, not progress. There's massive pressure. There's that expectation. They've got this albatross hanging around their neck, which is Trubisky. He's got to deliver. Otherwise, that whole place gets cleaned out. And they they will forever be known as the team that passed on Patrick Mahomes. That's it. That's the problem. And because of that, you have to make him 
deliver or you completely change the whole structure of the team. Matt Nagy goes, Ryan Pace, the general manager would have to go. Ryan, Nick Foles did it in the Super Bowl um, against the Patriots and fair play to him, he did it. And then he nearly did it again the following season. But you've, you said it, Cameron, he's not he's not proved that he can do a whole, he, he, that he can take a team through a season, make the team his own and take that team to 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 heights and he he flopped and failed in Jacksonville there's no doubt about it he was injured but when he got the chance when he came back he wasn't fit and I mean that team was imploding but he they got rid of him in Jacksonville for a reason so the the pressure is huge in Chicago and it's I don't I can't see it. I'm, I'm not saying this because I hate the Bears because I really don't like the Bears but I have to say that it's one of those situations that it looks like You've got two quarterbacks competing as well. That is a train wreck waiting to happen as well, in my view, because there's going to be that question mark the whole time. Who's the quarterback? Who's the number one? And I cannot see how they're not going to start Trubisky in week one because he is he's the incumbent. If they do start there with week one, I'll go through the schedule quickly and let you come in, Paul. And I think this is where the Bears have their opportunity for growth. Their schedule is at the Lions week one. Um, then they're at home to the Giants, they're at the Falcons, they're at home to the Colts, at home to the Bucks, at the Panthers, then at the Rams. And I think out of that, they could inevitably just lose one to the Buccaneers if Brady is able to make them everything that everyone seems to think they're going to do, because all those other games are winnable games. And I think that then suddenly you're looking at a Bears team that's 6-1 and one after seven games. In theory. Now, obviously, that is a lot that needs to go in their favour. But I think the schedule gives them the opportunity for success this year. I think it's worth pointing out that Matt Nagy, with the 20 wins in two years, that's the best record over the first two seasons of any Bears head coach. And I think this is interesting because if they have another 8-8 eight and eight season and it doesn't quite work and Trubisky does get cleaned out, I'm not sure Matt Nagy necessarily goes with them because he's had a fairly solid start. The defensive side of the ball is good. They've made a mistake at quarterback. I, I think he's, he's not an automatic out the door, say like Matt Patricia might be. I mean, everybody's always under threat in the NFL, but I'm not convinced he's necessarily straight out the door. Ryan Pace might get another swing at finding a quarterback as well. I'm just surprised they went for Nick Foles so early in the year. You know, there were other quarterbacks, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, all getting moved on. Now, Foles does have the Super Bowl ring, but, you know, it'd be interesting. I mean, George, I mean, out of those quarterbacks, you know, if, if you were offered, you know, Winston, Cam Newton... You know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, the ones that were available, would you have picked up Nick Foles? No, I, I think I think the amazing the amazing thing of, of Cam Newton taking so long to get a team was was absolutely ridiculous. Like Cam Newton, yes, he comes with his issues, and yes, that one time in a Super Bowl once he didn't dive on a ball. But the thing with the NFL, it's all about like it's hype train stuff, right? So Nick Foles becomes the Jags' starting quarterback because. Nick Foles has a tash and he can throw a ball over a mountain. You know, that's, that's kind of this, this world that, you know, Nick, uh, that, that, that Gardner Minshew is the guy. He's the, he's the, he's the future of the organization because he kind of looks cool and he wears a pair, of, a pair of jorts. Foles won a Super Bowl with the Eagles, who are a very good team. And I, I think anybody steering that probably could have got there. And um, Foles had a strong postseason. He then does it again the next year like Charles said, but then he's not somebody you build anything on. 
right? We're talking about quarterbacks. It's kind of been a theme of like Stafford is the quarterback for the Lions and is it a theme? Can you build on him? Rodgers is, is where the Packers have built for years. Trubisky was terrible last year. I mean, I, I, I had the fear of being, always have the fear of being bottom, but you look at the Bears in that situation, you're like, I thought the Bears were going to be phenomenal. And then they weren't. Eight and eight, yeah, fine. But because Trubisky was bad. Foles isn't going to be, he, he got pushed out by Gardner Minshew. And, you know, one of, my best, one of the guys on the team, Dave Orr, he listens to this, he'll be hating on me. Gardner Minshew's not that great either. <laughs> you know, he had a good season, but he's, he's all, all hype trained. Foles isn't a replacement. He isn't something you build a, a, an organization on. He's like a, do we, do we sit and tread water for a bit until we get somebody better? If, if Trubisky is as bad as he was last year. That, that's the thing. If, if I was the Bears, yeah, they passed on Mahomes. If I had the choice, probably would have picked up Cam Newton. Um, I would have gone for anybody, but, you know, Winston, maybe he, his issue was that he couldn't see down the field. He's now got new eyes. So hopefully that helps him um, long term. But he's the interception king, isn't he? So he's, he's a worry. I just don't think that having a Super Bowl ring gives you any, any kudos. You, you're not. You know, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. So. Oh, we're sending this one to Gordon McGuinness as well. You're annoying yeah, them all. That, You're taking them all I down, was, George. The Joe Flacco drop was definitely for Gordon. That was, <laughs> I hope when he when he listens in, I need a Ravens dig just in there for him. I saw the Bears at Wembley when they played the Raiders, and everyone thought that they would win that game. And I, admittedly, Trubisky was injured. Had Chase Daniel as quarterback, um, but they should have won the game because. They had a better team on paper, and they were flat. They were really, really flat. And that, and the the, the, the most striking aspect of that was on the defense. If the defensive side of the ball, if they turn up, they're going to win six, seven, eight games. And then they just need someone to take it to that next level at quarterback um, in order to to you know to, to take them into um, wild card territory. They weren't that far off a wild card. They won eight games, and we're talking about how bad Trubisky was. So if Foles is an upgrade on Trubisky, then that can only be a good thing. The problem is I think they're going to start with Trubisky because I think that they're still invested in him. They didn't take up the fourth, the, the fifth-year option, but they are still invested in that guy. And because of that, you've got a quarterback controversy right there. And if the, if the defense is not fully engaged come week one, week two, then they're not going to win games. If the defense is playing lights out, which it did for the first couple of seasons of uh, Matt Nagy's um, tenure as coach, then they'll be fine. They went 12-4 and four and Khalil Mack was all over the place. But last season, I mean, he only got eight sacks. That's not that's not um, defensive player of the year material at all. So the defense is what that team is built on. And if they play to their optimum potential, then they have a chance of winning the division. If they don't, then they're going to be nowhere. And then there's people people's heads are going to roll. Okay, we're running out of time quickly, so we'll move on to the prediction part of it. And this year, me and Paul are putting ourselves on the on the line first. Uh, we'll go first, then we'll hand it over to our uh, to Charles as our regular, and then George can finish things off once he's been battered and told his team's going to finish last three times in a row uh, to see what his <laughs> prediction is. But I'll kick this one off then. I see the division ending as Packers number one. I have the Bears in number two. I have the Vikings in three, and I have the Lions in four. But I'm going to say this. I think that the order of one and two is going to come down to week 17. 
Paul. See, I find that, that that's really quite interesting. Now, again, we realise that this is a, a you know an audio, not a visual um, thing, but I will hold this up so everybody can see it. I'd written exactly the same as Cameron uh, said. I actually think if the Bears D, as uh, Charles explained, turns up, I think that will give them the edge. I'm worried about the Vikings for the very reason I spoke about. I think they've got far too many new players coming in. I think the Lions will be better if they can stay healthy. I you know, George gave us a really good overview of what the Lions were like and, again, some of the decisions and draft picks, how they move in and out, just seems a little bit inconsistent to me. And I don't think any of these three teams got better in enough a way to challenge the Packers. Charles? Well, I said 12 months ago that this was arguably the strongest division in football, and I was proved completely wrong. Um, so my predictions are never usually very good. What I will say is I've got faith that Green Bay are going to win 10 games. Whether that's enough to win the division is another question. I don't think they'll win 13 games this season because of that differential um, of the, the close games that they managed to edge. I think they'll win the division. I think it's going to be tight. I would argue that based on continuity, um, I think the Vikings are going to finish ahead of the Bears because I think the Bears have got a massive quarterback controversy coming. And... Uh, I think the Lions are going to improve. And I, I can see the Lions and the Bears fighting it out for third place. Um, and in fact, I'm going to be really controversial. I'm going to say the Lions are going to finish ahead of the Bears. I'm going to think that I think the Bears are going to finish bottom of the division. Jeez, oh, right, George. Oh, well, so you didn't get three bottoms. Well, uh, well he's, he's, uh, he's kind of thrown it up because I, I, I had it in that in that order, but I've just changed it around and put the Lions at the bottom. Um, what I will say is my prediction is I think the Packers will be the only team with a winning season out of the out of the four. I think uh, uh, the, the Vikings' problems and and losing losing digs and you know Cook issue maybe maybe finish seven and nine or something. The Bears not far away from that, and then the Lions will pick up more than three wins. Right? We'll we'll potentially win five. I'd say win five games or something like that, um, being optimistic. But I think Packers, Vikings, Bears, Lions is, is where it's at. It'll be close, and I don't think any of those teams are going to be superstardom and pushing for NFC Championship. And that takes us on to the next part, though, which is the way-too-early Super Bowl predictions. So, gentlemen, we're going to ask you who's going to represent the NFC, who's going to represent the AFC, and who's going to win the whole thing. Charles, we'll start with you. Um, right, I'm putting my green and yellow hat on here, and I'm saying that the window is still open. Rogers is mad at his Madden rating, and he's mad at Jordan Love being picked, and he's going to light it up with his three running backs and his one wide receiver, and they're going to get to the NFC Championship game, and they're going to beat the San Francisco 49ers this year and get to the Super Bowl, and they're going to face the Indianapolis Colts. And I think the Colts are going to um, are going to win the AFC title. And who's going to win the Super Bowl? Well, I have to say Green Bay. I have to say Green Bay. I think the Colts are going to beat the Chiefs in the the AFC Championship game because I think the Colts are just about there now. Oft. I tell you what, these all these predictions have been really different, right, George? Over to you for yours. Um, well, Paul's going to like me here, but um, I think, in the same respect of, of Aaron Rodgers being angry at um, his Madden rating. I think Drew Brees is actually going to be, he's going to be out to prove a point, maybe trying to get away, to, away from all these media um, faux pas that he's made 
um, in in this in this period. Um, I think I think I see the Saints going to the um, the Super Bowl, and I see the Chiefs going there again. I, I, the Colts may put things together, but they ain't got Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes has got a ninety nine rating on Madden for a reason. Um, he's a freak of nature. The guy is unbelievable. I think that he, if he stays fit, has no issues, and continues the run that he had last year. I think it'd be hard to beat them in the Super Bowl again. I would be bold and say they might even back to back, back to back Super Bowls. So there you go. You've heard it there. That's five predictions. That's five different Super Bowl winners that we've had put forward. I think that says absolutely everything. Um, well, there you go. That's the NFC North. Thank you for joining us, gents. It's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you. So there you have it, a great conversation on what's going to happen in that division. Will it be the Packers? We think so, but you never know. The Vikings, Bears, well, they may have a chance as well. We have another guest for you. Don't say we're not spoiling you. Cameron, a, a good friend of the podcast and part of the team had a good event at the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Delighted to be joined now by Ian Stephen. And actually, before we get to Ian, um, for those of you that went along and listened to it, it, by all accounts, unfortunately I couldn't make it, but by all accounts it was a fascinating conversation with Hollis Thomas. Here's a little taster of what you missed out on. They do a lot of uh, critiquing. And I don't know if you, get, you remember the year we went to the Super Bowl, they and we played the Denver Broncos and we put a fifty burger on them. You know that I think it was pro football. Some some crap said that Von Miller was the best player on the team. I don't I don't I don't I don't know what dimension they were in, but if you're a defender and you got a fifty hug on you, I don't give a damn what you did that day. You didn't do enough. So um, and they, and we, Just, when we look at it. Hollis, so just, just just so you know, Gordon that, is that might have been the, us, yeah. yeah. Gordon is <laughs> one gonna, of the I'm gonna top I'm gonna look this up. I'm gonna, he, he works I'm gonna for ch- Pro Football Focus. Oh, you also you also He's, you wrote that up. What the hell is wrong with you, Gordon? Are you looking at Phil? He was getting year? ass handed to him, man. What year was this? What, like, Gordon, 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 this is, this is all I would tell you. Gordon, you have to look at uh, film. So Ian, brilliant, first of all. To see Gordon squirming there uncomfortably. And we do like to make Mr. McGuinness uncomfortable at every opportunity. But um, Hollis is a great story- storyteller. And by all accounts, he was really good on the night. Yeah, he was. Um, he told a, a, a moderately X-rated story about the shenanigans that um, they used to get up to in the Eagles locker room. Um, the kind of stuff that uh, you don't hear on like NFL Network uh, breakfast show, um, so it was it was uh, fascinating listening to him, and he was um, incredibly sociable as well. Everybody got to ask um, questions of him. He was playing with everybody. He was bantering with everybody. So it was good fun. Good stuff. So for anybody that's perhaps not familiar or missed um, the tweets about this, can tell us what you've been up to and what you've been organising. Um, because of um, the coronavirus, you may have heard it's it's going on at the moment. I know it's been kind of hidden in the news agenda, but um, it basically means that there's no face-to-face kind of live events that can take place. Um, so I thought it'd be a good idea if we used Zoom um, and hosted our own live event virtually, um, up to 200 people getting NFL personalities to join in. And at the same time, it's trying to raise money for charity, raise money for Black Lives Matters USA, 
um, which is a, a huge um, kind of social phenomenon that, that kicked off in the last couple of months in the States and then filtered uh, over here quite rightly. And also the NHS charities as well, because the NHS have done such a fantastic job over the last few months. So I feel it's only right that we uh, support them in any way that we can. So you've had Hollis Thomas already. Um, for anyone that isn't familiar, go look up Hollis and go and look at anything that he's done online because he's absolutely hilarious. Um, who else have you got lined up? So the next show that we've got lined up is Friday the 7th with uh, the X Factor himself, Dante Hall. Um, Dante was meant to be coming over in April, but that got postponed because of coronavirus. So this is the next best thing. He's going to be joining us to talk about his... Um, how do you how would you even old decade career? I suppose it was. He was in the old decade team, so and of course, he was famously a Scottish Claymore as well. So, it's a great opportunity for Claymore fans to catch up with him once again. Yeah, I, I mean, a great story. There was a lot of people excited about him coming over. Uh, hopefully, there's still plans to do that at some point when it can be done in the future, but great opportunity for people to come and listen and and interact with Dante as well um you know an absolute master at his position there's there's no taking away from that at all certainly fascinating one and there's that Scottish tie back as well it'll be really interesting to hear about his time in Scotland how much he enjoyed that how much he learned from it as well um what do people need to do then if they want to come along they just need to log on to Eventbrite and they've got an option of either having a ticket completely and utterly free, no catches whatsoever. Um, once they get the ticket, they get an automatic uh, email sent out to them with the details of how to log on to the conference. Or if they so wish, they can make a, a donation of any amount that they, they would like and it can contribute to uh, BLM and also the NHS. Um, you can find it. I'm sure you guys are going to link to it. You can find it on uh, 82press.com as well. The link's on there. And if you just Google, it's called The Huddle. So if you Google for The Huddle and Eventbrite or even just Dante Hall and Eventbrite, it should pop up. Fantastic. Ian, is, is this the future of, of these type of events, given the fact that we're now so used to Zoom and video? I mean, we could have thought about video calls before, but everybody's now really got used to Zoom. Is, is this a way for these events and for you perhaps to reach out to more people who, you know, rather than travelling over, could give an hour, hour and a half of their time from, from their home? Well, um, I've had the privilege, Paul, of meeting yourself in person and also being online with you. And the online version is only a 5% shadow of the the magnanimosity of Paul Mitchell in person. So you get the chance in person, you get the chance to get a memorabilia signed, you get a chance to shake the hand of the person. Um, it's a lot more personal. Um, and that's ideally what we would like to do in the long run. But we have to kick the backside of coronavirus first. And it doesn't look like that's happening in the the short term so the online conferences i think are a, a, a good idea audio quality is not as good as in person um you maybe have to be a bit more careful what you say possibly because it's easily recorded so um some of the stuff you can do in the live shows are a bit more risky and also in the, the live shows you can do the same kind of stuff that you guys do as well the kind of games that you take part in you guys have the raffle that runs that that's fantastic everybody totally enjoys doing that so i would say it's a a, a stopgap until we can get back to a modicum of normality 
but it's good though to have that sort of stopgap. And you know, I'm certainly going to be attending the one with Dante Hall. Very much looking forward to it. Uh, it's great to have something there. You know, where we've got the NFL season coming, we've not got a preseason by the looks of things. That certainly has been offered up. So there's not going to be those games in August, meaning that really the the first action is in September. So the fact that there's something in the diary for seventh of August is is brilliant. Um, is there other people that you're speaking to? Are you hoping to run more of these before the season? Yep, I've got. Um, I've been speaking to the former Broncos Super Bowl winning safety and former Scottish Claymore George Coghill. Um, he's interested in doing something. He's uh, currently a high school coach in Virginia, so I'm just negotiating around his schedule. Um, cryptically, I've got a Hollywood actor. Uh, that also used to play football, who is uh, interested. Um, and I just need to work around their schedule a bit more to see if I can get them on board. And, I mean, effectively, the this the sky's the limit. The more people enjoy it, support it, share it, then the more it becomes um, ingrained as something that's legit and it's easier to get players to come onto it. Fantastic. Well, we highly recommend that you check out 82 Press. Check out this event, get along to it, enjoy some brilliant football conversation with a great football player. Uh, and at the same time, you can help raise money for charity as well. It's a win, win, win in my eyes. And uh, certainly I'm looking forward to it. It's a hundred percent charity. It's not. There's no money being diverted anywhere. It's purely for charity. If you wish to contribute, if not, it's a hundred percent free. Um, it's for the fans to enjoy, and we like to think that we ask the right questions um, in the roles that we have. But it's possibly that we don't. And if you're a fan, you get to ask the question. If we've asked the wrong question, log on. You ask the question at Donny Hall, the question you've always wanted to ask if we can't get it right. So great to hear from Ian there. And as we mentioned during that segment, uh, the one bit of news really to cover today is the fact that we've it looks like we're starting to get some progress with the season actually taking place. Now, obviously, there's a lot of time and a lot of stuff to pass between now and September. But what we've seen in the last week or so, Paul, is we've seen a very organized, collective approach on social media across a number of high-profile players expressing their concerns about the lack of information and security and safety that's put in place and protocols and all these things that need to be done in this time of COVID. Um, there was a sort of shared professional message put out there. Now we've got to the point where the NFL have come back and offered the NFLPA zero preseason games. So chances are we're not going to get any preseason games. For you, what do you think that means for the players this year? Do you think that's going to help us get to a season? And what do you think that will have as an impact on the actual season itself? Well, I think the season will be slower to start than we would expect in terms of quality. I feel sorry for the players that are trying to make teams because without preseason games, that puts you in a bad place. If you're on, on the cusp and you have played for the team the previous year and we're going to get challenged for your roster spot, you're a happy bunny because the chances are they'll go. The NFL is notoriously conservative. They will go with what they know in those terms. Regarding safety camera, I think the players are quite right to come together to represent everybody, to talk about the safety. I happen to think the NFL have got safety at the top of their list as well. I think all they've done is perhaps 
got them to come out a little bit quicker with some of their plans and perhaps put a little bit more pressure. I mean, things like, you know, the mouth guard and the helmet's an interesting one. Something like J.J. Watt says he doesn't want to wear that. I think what the NFL have got to do is offer the players as much safety and as much control as you can. Certain things will be up to the players, whether they want to use the face mask or not. I think, you know, you've got to have a certain amount of liberty, whether we like that or not. That's the American way. They, You know, 50 different states, 50 different countries, they think in slightly different ways. As long as everything is done to make sure people are provided with safety and we can get on and have a season and that the players are happy, then that's fine by me. Yeah, and I think that, you know, no matter what your take is on this, and we know looking across at America, there's very two very different schools of thought around the whole thing. You know, ultimately... This is an un, still a large unknown. There's still so much information that we need to get on this. We need to understand and respect that some of these players are going to be concerned about not just their safety, but members and their family. You're talking about players with partners who are pregnant. You're talking about players with families that have existing medical conditions, and they don't want to risk their families for a game of football. And that's something that, you know, I... We both know there's a lot of people who are just not going to accept that. And these players are unfortunately going to come in for a huge amount of abuse, both online and in person, if they make a very difficult decision to to, to set it out on the grounds of safety. Um, and I think that that's why they're really keen to get as much protocol in place. And I, I genuinely thought it was a very professional, uh, very mature way of dealing with it. It was a very strong message. It was bold. But it wasn't over the top. It wasn't finger pointing. It wasn't, you know, it was more about pointing out why they were uncomfortable rather than just having a go. It was a really clear list of things that they expected, which gave a mandate directly to the NFL for them to go, right, this is what we need to do now. Now, there's a lot of people saying, you know, the NFL was lucky it had more time than most, but this is an evolving piece. And even compared to like a month ago, the story in America is very different now. Um, So this is an ever-evolving thing. I'm not going to give the NFL a complete break on this one. They could have been way more organised than this, but I genuinely think the players have have done well. Uh, And we talked about this before we came on air, but compare that to what happened with the baseball, which felt very unprofessional and all a little bit cloak and dagger. This is all being played out in public. Yeah, base, baseball have not covered themselves in glory yet. They hopefully come Friday will get themselves to the place they want to go. You make an interesting point about players' abuse. So I liken it a bit to the anthem thing. If you want to kneel or protest the anthem, that's your choice. As an American to do that, that is absolutely your choice. If you want to sit out the season because you've got concerns about you or your family, again, that's your choice. And I think 99.9% of people accept these decisions. Unfortunately, what we see is the dumb social media, you know, where people get a voice amplified that, quite frankly, they don't deserve to have amplified. And we start to see the worst of, of society. You know, people, as I say, if people want to sit out a season and there's some baseball players have come and done that, that's fine. Personally, I don't have a problem. I think the majority of people wouldn't have. And what we've got to do is keep the online abuse in context. Um, you know, we tend to think that Twitter's a big place, but I mean, sort of 15% of Americans are on Twitter. Not everybody's there. So the online stuff, I think we've always got to take with a wee pinch of salt. And you know, I'd like to think most people are reasonable people. And, they, you know, individual choice is one of the things that America's founded on. And if these people make a choice that you disagree with, that's absolutely fine. 
I've no problem with that. And the best thing you can do, no matter which side of the coin, is just respect that decision and move on. Absolutely. Respect, respect, respect. Um, Let's move on then. And we said at the top there, you know, we'd talk a little bit more about our week one live event. So we've been alluding to this over the last couple of podcasts. We we did an announcement video on social media ourselves on Sunday to announce the party pack that we're doing for week one in association with Stuart Brewing and the Bonnie Sauce Company. So if you haven't seen that, go and check it out. But basically for week one, we have a very limited number of packs that include six beers. We've picked six to kick off the season. There's six different beers. They are all from Stuart Brewing, a really good selection. There is a Chipotle smoky hot sauce from the Bonnie Sauce Company. Now I've tasted this myself and it's cracking. It's really good. Um, there's also a super limited edition NFL Scotland schooner. This is a, you know, there is not a lot of these. There's not a lot of these packs. There's not an infinite number. We've got so many. They're sitting in my garage. Um, and once they're gone, they're gone. Now, I will say, in the first 24 hours, we sold over 25% of all of these packs, which is great. Absolutely delighted with that. It's a really good start. Um, uh, but what that means is there are now less than 75% of the total stock left. If you want one, act fast. Now, the event will take place on Sunday, the 13th of September. We're working on the content for this right now, and we will be able to confirm the time, but we're thinking it'll probably be about four, half four. Uh, we reckon it'll be about an hour's worth of event. That's going to give you enough time anyway to sit with the beers and enjoy. To then, we're going to give you some things that you can do with the chipotle sauce, so you can go make your snacks. We're going to give you time at the end to set your fantasy teams. We've got competitions coming up. We've got interviews. We've got guests. We've got some really fun content, I think, that people will really enjoy. And I'm very excited about it. I'm really looking forward to it, Cameron. Your preparations have been going well. We're we're doing a little we will say no more, but we're doing a little bit of filming this coming Sunday. We'll we'll tease that, which will get uh, the NFL Scotland guys together. It's a bit like Avengers Assemble, only just much more handsome. Uh, so we're getting together on Sunday for that. Uh, yeah, you were playing the part of the sulk. Um, that's all I'm saying for that one. Cast <laughs> again. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, that is the full-time whistle for episode 107. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Share your thoughts on this episode via Twitter, at ScotlandNFL, and on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland. We're also now on Instagram, so check us out there. We're growing all the time. We need your help to keep that up. We appreciate every retweet and share. We love hearing your thoughts on what we've been discussing. We'll be back next week as we look east and start discussing what the AFC was going to look like without Tom Brady. Thank you to Charles and George for joining us. Thanks to Ian as well. Thank you for listening and taking the time to share your thoughts. We'll be back next week. But until then, bye for now. Bye for now.